Welcome to Kenzie's Bible Study. I'm Mackenzie, the girl behind the post-it notes in studio with me again today is my dear friend Heather. Hi, hello! How's everyone doing today? I'm so happy. It's Wednesday. Ooh, it is Wednesday. <laughs> well, today is Wednesday for us. I don't know what day you're listening to. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold, please. <laughs> Moderate distractions with oh, our technology. Oh, my um, So today we're talking about John chapter 4 and... Um, just back in uh, last week, I had Amy in studio, which was a really good episode. If you have not listened to it yet, it was really good. Um, not only in a really deep way where you're talking about, um, the choice to continue in difficult circumstances. Um, and as she says, stay in the arena. Um, but also we talked a little bit about Snoop Dogg and his gospel album, which was (laughs) hilarious. And that was most of our weekend. So yeah. Um, Let's get into it. Should we get into it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So picking up in John chapter 4, we're moving into Samaria. And maybe, Heather, you could read the the part about Samaria. Samaria was a place that the Jews really didn't like. There was a big um, hatred for the Samaritans and really for anybody who wasn't Jewish, to be honest. And um, as we can see throughout the entire New Testament, Jesus really blows that out of the water and says that everybody's in, which has actually been kind of a theme for my whole week um, when I've been reading through scripture. I've been in Ephesians a little bit with my church and with the young adults group that I've been preaching at. And so this question's come up a lot um, in regards to like what kind of barriers are we holding? Um, And so... In the beginning of this chapter, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. And Heather, why don't you read that? <clears throat> it says, The shortest route from Judea in the, south, in the south to Galilee in the north went through Samaria. The journey took three days. If he wanted to travel the direct route, the Jews often avoided Samaria by going around it along the Jordan River. The hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans went back to the days of exile. Samaria was the region between Judea and Galilee. When the northern kingdom was exiled to Assyria, King Sidon repopulated the area with captives from other land. The intermarriage of these foreigners and the Jews who had been left complicated the ancestry of the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans and considered them no longer to be pure Jews. So... Basically, people avoided that area altogether because it was just too much. It was mm-hmm. easier to go around. So it says in 4.4, um, now he had to go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was short for time. Maybe he just wanted to go where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But nobody really wanted to go that way. They would have rather gone around oh, alongside for sure. the river. His so. disciples were probably freaking out. Why yeah. are we going this way? And I think that really, God, I mean, Jesus knew the reason he needed to go through is that he slowly over the course of his ministry um, starts changing things mm-hmm. for the Jews of saying, okay, hey, listen, I know that this is the way you've always done it. And I know this is what tradition and law says, but mm-hmm. I'm here to abolish the law right? because you can't hold it up. And but he knows, like, I can't really invoke all this change at once because that's too overwhelming for anyone. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's already overwhelming the way he does it. And so he slowly has to set it up in a way that 
his disciples can receive it. And so he has to kind of showcase what he's doing. And it's almost like, he's like, I got to go through this place because I got to show my disciples this part. It's like the next piece. Um, and I think he pieces those things together over time. And you'll see it with lots of different people that he interacts with. He's slowly showing the disciples, hey, this is, this is the way that we are really to live. This is the way of Jesus. Um, and I think that's really cool. And so he's going to show that with the Samaritan woman in particular. Um, and I wrote, because um, it would have been already not good for him to talk to a woman because they were considered less than, um, but then a Samaritan woman on top of that. Um, and the note that I have written on one of my sticky notes is, Jesus talks to anybody and everybody with equal compassion and equal honesty. And we're really going to see that showcased here. So picking up in verse five, it says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is also called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So not only is he talking to the Samaritan woman, but he's talking to her alone. Um, verse 9, then the woman of Samaria says to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Isn't that like the question we often ask of like, God, what are you doing with me? <laughs> like, you don't, do you, we, I think we sometimes think that God doesn't see all that we are. We're like, oh gosh, he doesn't, but he knows. He chose you. He knows. Um, in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water and I actually have a note at the bottom of my Bible that says the important idea to glean from this verse is the meaning of the phrase, the gift of God. Some believe that the gift refers to the statement by Christ that follows who it is who says it to you. They suggest that the word translated and should in fact be translated namely, which would define the gift of God as the knowledge of who Jesus is and his reason for coming to earth. For the believer, this would provide the basis for the benefits of Christ uh, that Christ gives to him and would reveal his willingness to meet all the believer's needs. While other scholars propose that the gift is the living water and Jesus was offering to the Samaritan woman, they suggest that that's a twofold purpose to this water. First, it can refer to spiritual everlasting water for the soul, like John 4.14 is referenced in everlasting life, just in a few verses while also applying that literal water in the well to the Samaritan woman he was going to, that she was going to draw. And yet a third view says that the gift is in fact Christ himself. Um, this idea is seen in the freeness with which the offer was made to the woman. Christ said, if you knew who it is who says to you, you would have asked him. Christ did not come to earth because God felt like he owed something to mankind. This final view seems to be the most consistent since it shows the person of Christ as the focal point of the gift, not anything that he brought with him. Though I would say, I think it all kind of comes together in that last view of saying that 
Christ is everything. He's going to provide everything. You know, he's given us everything through eternal life and things like that. So it kind of all is encompassed in the person of Jesus. Um, and I think that is the gift that he's talking about um, because he talks about that living water and she doesn't really understand that. She's like, what kind of water is this? So in verse 11, the woman says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as the sons of his life and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this well will never will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give them will never thirst again, but the water I shall give them will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. That's such a beautiful verse mm-hmm. because it's like, I'm giving this to you, but with a fountain, what does that do? It then produces it back out. And so that other people can benefit from that. And so, like, you know, I think we sometimes think, okay, it's just me and God, it's me and God. But really, we can't grow unless we're giving it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, verse 15, the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. Hmm. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband that you spoke truly. So what do you think, Heather? Why why is he, like, so harsh in this? He's just real direct. I think Jesus mentioned the woman's husband in order to expose her sin, to be like, I know who you are, I know what you're doing. Um, Because I think she maybe thought, well, this guy doesn't know me or what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. yeah and it's she wants that but she you know you think about I just thought back to verse 15 where she's like so then I don't have to come here to draw water Mm -hmm. and I think that really has to do with the shame that she's feeling you know she's coming in the middle of the day there's nobody around which makes me think she's trying to avoid people I'd be there yeah and there whatever yeah exactly and so I think at that point when she kind of she kind of shows a sense of vulnerability in that moment and he goes in at that moment Mm -hmm. to say, you know, in a very loving way, it's just like what I was saying earlier with equal honesty Mm -hmm. um, and kind of pulls that out. Um, So she's kind of shocked. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. I don't know. I think for me it would be like a little abrasive to uh-huh. be like oh here's all your sins I'm like yeah I know that but why did you have to tell me that yeah <laughs> um but it would be surprising too because mm-hmm. I mean how many secrets do you have in your life that if somebody just came up to you and said I know them all right that would be alarming mm-hmm. so then verse in, in verse 19 the woman said to him sir I perceive that you're a prophet Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. I think it's funny she says our fathers, because she's Samaritan, but she says our, Mm -hmm. like we're together. Right. Which is interesting, her language in that. Um, And she knows what she ought to be doing, Mm -hmm. but she's not. Right. And I think... We always know what we ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. 
but we're not. We were just talking about like being in the gym. Right. You know? <laughs> we should <laughs> be eating working healthy. out. Yeah. Right. I mean, what were we you know saying? What, to do. what were you saying about like I said eating. we know what to do and we know how to do it. We just don't. We choose not to. Why do you think we do? Why why don't we choose to? <sighs> I just want the PC. I just want the pizza. <laughs> I know. You know, it's like waking up. What did you have for breakfast, Heath? Like in real life? Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> I had some gummy bears. <laughs> but, like, you know. Like, yeah. it's not a lack of knowledge. Because yeah. it's, like, same with her. She knows where she ought to be mm-hmm. worshiping. She knows what she ought to be doing. But she's not doing it. She's mixed up. I think it's, like, this deep rabbit hole we get into. Because mm-hmm. once we're, like, kind of in a routine, for the most part, we're, we're able to kind of maintain. Mm-hmm. But once we slide a little bit, then we have to climb ourselves way back out. And she's slid far. You know, crazy. Five different husbands, you know. Mm-hmm. And the one she's with isn't even her husband now. Um, and she knows that it's wrong. I don't think Jesus had to say, did you know that was wrong? <laughs> you know, I don't think, I think usually we're pretty good at knowing what's right and wrong. And, and when we don't, I think the Holy Spirit convicts us, but I think that's really interesting. So verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, I believe, or believe me, the hour is coming when you will, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and is, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. I just, like, imagine her saying, like, almost whispering that. Mm -hmm. Like, I know He's coming. Because I think that's her last hope Mm -hmm. of where she's at. She's just in a really dark spot. And and it says who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. That's mm-hmm. really good. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. Like, let me let you in on that secret. <laughs> and I think she's, is she the first one, in, at least in, in John, mm-hmm. that realizes that he's the Messiah for mm-hmm. real? Because mm-hmm. later Peter confesses that and things like that. but And it's just him and her. And that, like, what an intimate moment mm-hmm. to be with Jesus. And he says, hey, look at me. It's I mean, me. I've been waiting for you. It's me. I'm here. And I think, like, he's got this twinkle in his eye. You know? It's, I don't think, it seems really harsh the way he talks sometimes. But I don't think it is. I think he's got this compassion in him, mm-hmm. but also, you know, is able to balance truth and compassion in a way that we never can. And so then enter in the disciples who are just kind of marveling at this. It says to verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They're just sitting over there judging and mm-hmm. like what is going on. I imagine like they're over there like 
no, you ask him. Like, you ask him. (laughs) (laughs) The woman then left her water pot and went away, or went her way into the city. She doesn't even bring the water with her. Mm -mm. Went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have no food to eat of which you don't. I have food you have. I was going to say, do you want me to read that? (laughs) (laughs) I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, they're just confused. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so so literal, And I love that because I am like the most literal person ever. (laughs) Like, if the Lord said that, I'd be like, oh, you already got something then? Yeah. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't question it. I'd be like, no, he just said someone brought him something. I'd be like, okay, cool. You're good. You're good? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat. Yeah, exactly. Well, you do you, boo. Yeah. But then, so then Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I love that. It's like, He's like, my, I've got something, something so much bigger. We can sometimes be so controlled by, mm-hmm. like, what we need that we miss, like, moments that God has for us. That he's, he's already prepared what he wants for us to do. Ephesians 2, I think it's 11, 10, says that he's already prepared that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just have to, like, walk through it. Mm-hmm. We just have to say yes to that. And sometimes we miss that when we get so distracted by even just the simplest things of like, I need to just like, where's my food coming from though? Yeah. You know? Um, but my kind of the thing that I was thinking about in this section is, you know, he talks about living water and he's talking about food and he's, it's really about satisfaction mm-hmm. and it's really about nourishment in lots of different ways. So, um, and we actually had this discussion on the way back from end this weekend because the church that we went to on Sunday was talking about the soul. And one question that we ended up talking about for a long time was, what drains your soul and what nourishes your soul? So what in your life is draining? But you can't get rid of all those drains. Like, sometimes it's like, you know, you have a two-year-old in the middle of the night crying. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can't just, like, say, like, okay, well, it's been nice. It's been real. Like, put them out the door, you know? But there are moments that you can, like, refill that up. Mm-hmm. So Heather, what what are some things that either drain or nourish? What's moments in your life where you feel like okay, I'm like at rest. I feel like I'm being filled back up, or I feel like I'm being drained out. Um, well, I'll do the first one because it's easier to like identify what drains me so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes like the day to day. I just get so overwhelmed, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything done because I'm like a note mm-hmm. person. So I'm doing my notes, and I'm like oh my gosh, this is so important. Like, I need to get this done. And if for whatever reason I didn't get it done, I just am like, oh my gosh, I failed. Like, I can't even get my list done in one day. Mm. Um, But sometimes at the end of the day, it's like those things don't really, they're not, they're just like busyness almost. Mm -hmm. Just a way to stay busy. Um, I think what lately has been like really fulfilling is just like hanging out with, um, well, hanging out with you for one. But the other one is my mom Mm -hmm. has just been so... um, I don't know if she's just been, like, more present in my life or if I just am, like, running into her more. We do live in the same town, in the same area of town. So mm-hmm. when I run into her, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, and it's so un- unexpected. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice. She just is a really, like, filler up mm-hmm. back type mm-hmm. of person. Yeah. 
Relationships are a big one. Oh, yeah. They can be both, though. Yeah. Well, they, right? yes, that's true. They can be super draining and just, like, toxic. Yeah. Or they can be ones where you, it's, like, my mom's just, like, always giving. Mm-hmm. And, like, what can I do? How can I help you? Yeah. And yeah. it's just nice to have, like, a relaxing. And then you, too, because I feel like our conversations are always, like, we say what we need to say. And it's always, like, so maybe relaxed is the wrong. Honest. It's mm-hmm. more honest. Because we're never worried about, like, offending the other person or, like, saying what we really want to say. Where sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can tell this person Mm -hmm. honestly what I think because I don't want to offend them or hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's nice to have, like, backwards where you can do that with. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think for me, the things that drain me in a a good way, too, I mean, I love the work that I do, but I am, I mean, I really feel drained by work sometimes you know I mean mm-hmm. mostly like there's moments where I'm like oh, this is so fulfilling I love it <laughs> but the moments are like the m- moments that are really dramatic or unnecessary or like you know with like the house it has to do with like you know just walking into the kitchen and seeing like dishes in the sink <laughs> you know like and I really I feel like I'm a pretty relaxed person about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff but yeah. I don't know it's just because then it translates to me that somebody doesn't care about something. And that's draining to me that when people don't have the same values, mm-hmm. you know, um, other things that are draining. I, real simply, I hate cooking. <laughs> cooking, meal prepping, so draining. I hate it. You know, everybody's like, oh, this is great. I'm meal prepping. It's Sunday. And I'm like, I hate this. I'm only doing this so that I don't, like, weigh 500 pounds. (laughs) I mean, I like the food, I guess, that I make. I'm not good at it. Like, literally, one of the goals in my life is to make enough money that I can pay someone to literally do all that for me. And I'll eat it. No, it's wonderful. I I feel you 100% on this. (laughs) I don't like cooking. I hate it. Well, and also, I... It's very important to note, I I can't really cook. (laughs) But so my man, can you can give him, like, an egg and five saltine crackers, and he will whip you up, like, a gourmet meal. <laughs> that is the other thing Bless I his heart. For. I just yeah. hope for that. It's like either I can pay somebody or God is going to bless yeah, me with some it. guy that can just be better at that than me because, you know, I'm pretty good at a lot of things. Yeah. I'd say I'm pretty multi-talented yeah. in a, trying to be humble in that, but... God has blessed me in a lot of ways. That is just not one. Yeah. It's not. I'm not horrible. Like no. I can make something. Yeah. But like I've just like come to I terms with those that, nut bars you made that one time. Those were good. I don't even remember. That. <laughs> <laughs> I like but I think maybe it tastes better to me because I've just kind of realized like this is as good as it gets. <laughs> You're like this is all I have. You know, but, but like literally like pizza's always better. Always always I don't even want to think about it but it's like so good every day every day I'm never sick of it never never and not once if like, only they could like create pizza. something that tastes exactly like pizza and is actually also very healthy <laughs> because you know what the cauliflower crust pizzas they just don't do it no me. they do not I hate when people are like oh this is so good and I'm like no it's you're not. like pretending it's good yeah. it's not like let me bring you up a pizza hut pizza and let's but, see like come on paddington <laughs> yeah. shout out salemites but <laughs> i don't know it's like that's the thing that really drains me mostly um there's like i mean there's lots of really deep things that drain me but 
But that's like a real practical one. But if I look at like what nourishes me, this is something that I'm really trying to pay attention to because my schedule is so full. Is, um, you know, like relationship is really important for me. Um, but especially me looking at specific relationships, like I have specific relationships that are more uh, nourishing to me because um, it's not like a relationship where they like need everything from me versus um, like us, like a give and take and kind of thing. And, you know, and not that I'm like, I'm only going to be friends with those people, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just, I notice how I am after that. And so you know, trying to balance that out. Um, and so, like, some really practical things that nourish me is, like, I just, I love being around people. Like, we don't have to talk, just be in person. Um, lately, I have just gotten back into line dancing, and I love it. I love dancing. <laughs> I It just feels fun. We've been going to a line dancing place, but we also have been dancing at the house, and one of the girls in the house and I have really gotten into it, so... That's a really nourishing thing for me. And I'm hoping I just um, got back into strength training. I'm hoping that that will be a good, even though it'll be hard and challenging and really vulnerable, I'm really hoping that this, and I know it will be, um, will be a time for me to kind of fill back up and kind of unload um, some of the stresses of work and things like that. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing to think about and discuss and pay attention to in your life of, okay, okay, like, what things can I get rid of in my life that aren't helping me grow and um, seek the Lord? Um, but also balancing the things that, you know, that is going to be draining and that's going to be in my life. I can't just get rid of that. Um, but how do I balance that with time to nourish, you know? So anyways, verse 35, we're going to pick it back up. All right. Um. Jesus is still talking and he says, do not, do you not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that which that which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. I think about that all the time of like, there's lots of things that we're doing in our life that others have, have done the labor for, mm-hmm. and we might benefit from. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we can take the credit for like, oh, it's going so well, and I'm like, a lot of people put a lot of work into that. Like for it to go so smoothly mm-hmm. and to go so well. Verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who de- testified, he told me all that I ever did. So here's like one of our first, you know, evangelists is this Samaritan woman, which is huge to say like, not only is it a woman, because even now that's still mm-hmm. a big deal. And... Also, she doesn't even belong to the right category. I think about this of like, what barriers do we have in our lives with others or other groups? Like, I don't know. Can you think of any that, you know, like you shy away from that particular group or that type of people or whatnot that you just know and you're like, ugh. Like that you don't want to share with? Mm-hmm. Don't want to share with. Don't want to like really do life with. <laughs> like just any of it. 
I mean, I keep my circle pretty small. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably a reason for that. I think sometimes I'm easily influenced by certain people, and I don't want to be around those kind of people who Mm -hmm. don't have the same, like, vibe for life that I do. Mm -hmm. I think there's a balance, for sure, because there's some things that, like, we really shouldn't, you know, especially if, you know, you're, like, prone to, like, a real party scene. You don't want to be, like, surrounded by friends who are, like, always partying and things like that. Um, But at the same time, you don't want to be closed off. Right, and I think there's definitely a difference because people are always like, oh, well, I love them and I, like, want to spend time with them. And I'm like, "Mm, no, you have it wrong. Like, you still need to have boundaries with those people in your life. You can't just, you know, succumb to every Mm -hmm. group or whim that comes to you because that's not love. You have to say, like, no, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you from over here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think for me it's, it's less of a specific people group, really. I mean, there's certainly different types of people that... I are more difficult to understand or be drawn to. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, it's it's people who I don't know. Mm. I don't, I... Like stra- strangers. Stranger danger. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, like I am not one to like just talk to somebody in line or whatnot. I have a real insecurity about it. And even then when I meet people, as you know, I don't always like the people that I end up being mm-hmm. friends with in the very beginning. And so there's that's, I think, the real barrier for me is moving outside of my comfort zone to allow even a conversation to happen. I loved Matt the, yesterday morning during our speaking team meeting. He's one of our pastors. Um, is just so good at this. He's so good. Um, he, We were in there, and there had been um, a fire actually in the restaurant a couple weeks before and we hadn't been in since because we've been meeting at somebody's house, somebody else's house and um the cook came out and he was like you guys all right like <laughs> you know and just kind of joking with us and and Matt just so simply says well how are you doing after all that like are, <laughs> are you having any like PTSD from that experience and whatnot and and this man just said well yeah actually like and just started sharing his heart a little bit and we got to listen Whereas me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I hope you're doing good. And then I just, I would have just moved on, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. I like to think I'm, like, a really compassionate person in that way. But I just, that's not my immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest barrier is just when I don't know people, um, I'm really fearful. Um, so, anyways, verse, let's see here, where were we? Uh, we were at 36. Mm, 42. <laughs> no, you didn't yes. go. You didn't go all that way because we were in the Samaritans of the oh, city. Okay, 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 okay. Um, oh, forty. When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, "Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him." We know that he, indeed he is the Christ and the Savior of the world, which is cool because she like shares it. And first they believe because of her testimony, mm-hmm. but then they experience Christ and then they really believe. It's like, I like you, but now I really like you. Like, you and know, it's sometimes it's so funny how one verse can say a translation can be a little different. It says mm-hmm. 42. And they told the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have mm-hmm. said. For now we have heard him for ourselves and know with confident assurance that mm-hmm. this one is truly the savior of all the world. Um, 
People were just convicted. I mean, they were convicted after they talked to this woman, but then they heard him and they were like, I mean, and how could you not hear Jesus oh. and not instantly believe? Yeah. But um, with confident assurance. I don't know if I have confident assurance in anything. <laughs> like, that's pretty. That's powerful. Though, yeah. Because it is, it is like we can believe through other people. There's like lots of people that are like, oh, well, you know. I believe in God because it's how I was raised or whatever. But until we actually have an encounter with Jesus, I don't think we truly get it. And once we do that, it changes us. Mm -hmm. And it should. Um, So then verse 43, Now after the two days he departed there and went to Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things he did he did in jerusalem at the feast for they also had gone to the feast so jesus came again to cana of galilee where the wedding had been mm-hmm. um oh and now it says <laughs> where, he, say. had, <laughs> yes, it where he had made water into wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at capernaum when he heard that jesus had come out of judea into galilee he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death then jesus said to him unless people see signs and wonders you will by no means believe and the nobleman said to him sir come down before my child dies jesus said to him go your way your son lives so the man believed the word that jesus spoke to him and went his way which is so funny there that's contradictory he's saying like unless you see you won't believe but then he, but then I think what it's saying, then the person said to him, the royal official pleaded with him, sir, do you come down at once before my child dies? Mm-hmm. And so. And so he believes him without even seeing his kid. Yeah. And it says, go to your son. He Which is so believed. funny to me. Um, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour that he got better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. So I think it maybe is reflecting that same thing of like the Samaritans believed because of the woman's testimony. Mm -hmm. But then once they experienced him, they really believed. And then here he like he's like, Okay, I think I believe you and then now I go back and I'm like, Oh, okay, you really have come through and we see that it in pinpoints of our life of I think we go deeper with Christ every time we see him working in our lives, you know. Right. Um and so we might believe and then he does something that changes it and and we're like, Oh, okay, now I really believe and then mm-hmm. something else happens, Oh, now I really believe, you know. Right. And then verse fifty four, this is uh, this, again, is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Um, and so we had actually kind of talked a little bit about miracles before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting how he uses them not for the sake of, like, a show, but he uses them for someone, someone's life to change and for them to understand who he is. He's mm-hmm. communicating who he is. But then it's not only that, but then it's his whole household. hmm um, and I think that's the point of him doing what he does. So, uh, anything else that sticks out to you? Chapter four. Lots of crazy things happening here. No. I mean, I feel like this is just when Jesus is like getting started. I think he's to the point where people are like, 
will prove that you are the son of God. So I think that's why he said that. Like, unless you see signs and miracles, like, unless you see power, like, it's not enough for you just to say, like, I will give you eternal life. And so I think it kind of starts that place where people are like, oh, well, he's fake. Mm -hmm. He's not real. He's Mm -hmm. just doing all this stuff or saying all these things. Mm -hmm. Which is all of us, actually, because we don't ever, we haven't seen Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. We haven't seen him do the miracles. We see things happen, and we believe that they're God. Right. Sorry for that noise. Interruption. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not that loud. Um, but, but we we're in the era where really it is believing without seeing. Mm-hmm. It is that faith. Yeah. Um, but I think it is experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's really interesting. All right. Well, we've made it through that. That's exciting. Um. Heather, what are you enjoying this week? What's been exciting? Uh, oh, good. Music or movies or books or No, whatever. I haven't had very much good stuff, but um, I briefly said that I've been running into my mom more frequently, which is, I guess it's not that weird because we live in the same town, same side of town. <laughs> um, but I kind of have to give the background on this story. Um, so I had a really, really good job. And I had to leave it for a certain amount of time. I didn't have to leave it for a certain amount of time. I had to leave it unexpectedly mm-hmm. because it was the right thing to do. And I struggled for the last about a year and a half trying to find another job that kind of matched that financially and kind of matched it like um, just had the same kind of fulfillment of where I came from. And I was really frustrated at the job that I was at. I wasn't doing very well and I was just like so disappointed. And I said to my mom, I said, mom, I should have never left that job. I'm Mm -hmm. so unhappy. I'm so unfulfilled. This is the worst possible outcome. And I will never forget what she said. And she said, Heather, don't be like the Israelites and wish to be back in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And I almost had to hang up the phone because I was like, how is my mom so wise? And it instantly hit me like what I was doing. Like I left for the right reasons. And I think it happens to us so many times in life where we, you know, we leave a really good example just for the age group that we're in is we leave relationships where we think mm-hmm. like this isn't the relationship God has for me or this isn't the, the job God has for me or this isn't where God wants me to live and then we move mm-hmm. and then two weeks later we're like oh lord this isn't it this isn't easy I'm out of my comfort zone nope this must be wrong this mm-hmm. isn't what you have for yeah me. yeah and it's you may not have someone in your life that says quit being an Israelite but I praise the lord that I did because um it really brought to light uh that I was being an Israelite and I was so thankful to be out of Egypt, but I was still wandering in the desert. Mm-hmm. And so I prayed and I was like, Lord, you got to get me out of the desert. I now know where I'm at and why I'm mm-hmm. so unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of segues into this next thing. I was, um, I found this book and it's called You Were Made for More. And I can't find the actual physical book <laughs> because I've been toting it around with me. And so now I'm not sure quite where it is, but I did happen to take a screenshot of this particular um, passage that I really liked. Um, I had it saved, but then I messed with my phone. Um, so the book is called, uh, you were made for more by Jim Cimbala and him and his wife have written a ton of books. I'm just trying to read everything. Um, but this was about halfway in and I was reminded again of what my mom said about being the Israelites and it said, The unwanted, troubling, mystifying, senseless things that happen in our lives are occasions to instill strength in our character, force us to pray as never before, and give us a testimony to help others in need. 
Our struggles are simply a sign that we, like the ancient Israelites, were made for more. And I just want to encourage anyone who is like maybe feeling like they need to make a change in their life, whether it I mean, leaving a job is kind of significant, so don't quit your job tomorrow or anything like that. But if you feel (laughs) like the Lord is leading you in a different direction and you don't want to do it because you're uncomfortable, it's okay to wander in the desert for a little tiny bit because Mm -hmm. the job that I have now is the best job I've ever had. And I'm just like so thankful that it was brought to me in the way it it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so funny because now I look back and I'm like, oh man, I've been an Israelite probably like most of my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny. You and I were just at dinner what was it, a few weeks ago yeah. and I said to you be careful God doesn't want to keep you comfortable mm-hmm. and now this well know. yeah and I just it's so shocking because sometimes someone can say something 50 times oh yeah but then someone says it in a context where it like hits you yeah and I'm like and she was like don't be be careful Heather don't be like the Israelites and wish to be back in Egypt because after they were wandering in the desert mm. they said at least we were clothed in yeah. Egypt at least we were fed in Egypt i'm like you were beaten and mm-hmm. oppressed and not able to worship god the way you were supposed to and you want to go back to that and it's like how quickly does that happen to us in modern day mm-hmm. life where we're like we're so uncomfortable we're so happy we want to go back to this terrible relationship we want to go back to this abusive job we mm-hmm. want to you know go back to these habits and behaviors that aren't of the Lord because we're comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's like no and I realized I was wandering in the desert and that's when I was like Lord get me out Mm -hmm. like I've learned and it was literally the next week that things fell back into place for me and I was glad that it took a year and a half because Mm -hmm. I felt like I really grow grew during that time Mm -hmm. and clearly I wasn't getting it (laughs) yeah yeah so it had to be a different approach but um that book you were made for more is so encouraging um I think his wife's name is Carol, Jim and Carol. They're real people that are still alive today. Mm-hmm. And every single page, there's like a miracle that happens mm. to them. And it's just great. I love reading stuff like that because it's just so encouraging and so eye-opening to be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm not the only one who has to deal with these yeah. issues. Yeah. I'm not the only one who's like struggling and yeah, still trying to do the right things. Yeah, And for so many of us, it takes a while to realize like oh okay this is so much better you know like it doesn't always just take a month so much better you know like you in this specific it was a year and a half yeah I quit my job and I was fine for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then I got a new job and I was like oh man take me back and that was the wrong thing to wish for Mm -hmm. and what if I would have gotten what I wanted yeah yeah it's crazy so just trust in the timing of God's plan for your life because it doesn't you don't get instant gratification for doing the right thing just like you don't get instant blessings for doing the right thing Mm -hmm. no but I think in that vulnerable process what we realize is is there is so much more it's much more than the job Mm -hmm. you know it was so much more about the other things than the job you know it was about you know some confidence in yourself Mm -hmm. of your abilities and standing for your for you know like your morals and other Mm -hmm. things like that um, that you grew as a person mm-hmm. and you had to trust God in that season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes we learn more out of that process and that vulnerability than anything else. But in that moment, it's horrible, mm-hmm. you know? Well, so. and it's, it always comes back to like trials and tribulations. And of course, no one's like, God, send me trials, send me a no. tough time. But then like, as soon as we get in a trial, we revert back to like, even if it's wrong or sinful, we revert back to wherever we felt comfortable. Yes. And so 
in doing so, we've stunted what God has planned for us. We've mm-hmm. stunted our growth to move forward. And I just, mm-hmm. it's never really happened to me, at least in my adult life, mm-hmm. in such a slap-in-the-face way. Yeah. Where I realized, okay, yeah, I can't keep trying to fix it myself. I can't mm-hmm. keep trying to do what yeah. I want to do myself. Usually the way it happens for me is that I will continue to do what, I'm saying, <laughs> what I want to do until literally, like, God allows it to shatter. <laughs> You know, like earlier this year, or there was a job previously that literally I had to be ripped out of, mm-hmm. um, and it had to fall apart in the most hurtful way. Mm-hmm. And not that God wanted me hurt, but like I would never have left if it hadn't have fallen mm-hmm. apart in that way. And and there was so much more for me outside of it. And it, even though it's still hard, even though I do realize like it, this was the right thing, but it's still hard because it's. You know, I look back at that experience and, and there was so many rich things out of it, but also I needed to make space for what was next. Mm-hmm. And I see that all the time. Even this last year, you know, I was in a pretty bad car accident and totaled my car and I knew something, some sort of change was coming. Um, and it wasn't until I was in that car accident that I realized the decision that I should make um, and through a horrible circumstance mm-hmm. and because that's just me I just go and go and go until God literally puts a wall up so I can hit it and then figure out where I'm supposed to go well it's so funny because I think um it was in one of John Corson's sermons mm-hmm. he was like how hard do you think God tries to get to us before he has to literally smack us off our horse like, my goodness how much like how and you're like and especially for me because my mom and my well my brother my older brother is a reverend, but my mom is also just, like, very much, like, one of those people when you tell it, you like, you're spilling out your heart, you're saying all of your troubles, and you want, like, a tangible answer. You want something that you can, like, take to the yeah. bank, a behavior you can change. And she goes, well, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, Mom! <laughs> but it's, like, so true because I feel mm-hmm. like everyone says, like, oh, I've really been praying about it. And it's like, yes, yeah. you can pray about it, but are you open to the options that God, I mean, he's clearly making a way for you. Yeah. Just like the Israelites in the desert. And it's like, you don't want to wander in the desert for 40 years. Figure mm-hmm. out what he wants you to do and move in that direction. Yeah, that's good. So. So good. Yeah, it's great. I don't, I'm, I apologize for all the sound. So many noises. That have been happening. Ever. I'm sitting at the table. Usually we're like sitting at the couch and there's not as much stuff around me to touch. <laughs> so I think that might be the issue. Uh, I think for me, I don't know, I have a lot of things that, last week I was talking about um, all the, uh, Murder Mysteries, I've been listening Ooh, I love to those. The podcasts? Uh, audiobooks. Audiobooks, yeah, yeah. Super good. Just finished another one. Um, and I'm out of um, credits on Audible until the 13th. <gasps> no. So I have to wait. But I did just start um, last night a book. I actually downloaded this book years ago, and I never actually listened what to it. What was it? it? Uh, it's called The Neurobiology of We. Oh. And it's by Dr. Daniel Siegel, who is just a brilliant human being um i'm not sure if he's a christian or not but my goodness heather actually you know what i'm sorry she's over here playing i downloaded this app and it like has ads on my phone that are (laughs) really toxic i have to figure out what app it is and get rid of it oh my gosh but please the neurobiology of we (laughs) so neurobiology of we um dr daniel siegel i'm not sure if he's a christian or not but um i'm a christian and so i can bring that into into it but um he talks about um it's kind of the melding of um neuro neurology and um 
our brain and our mind and that study and relationships. He does something called interpersonal neurobiology. Oh. And so it's that melding. And so he's talking about just the triangle of um, the, the brain and how it physically functions. The mind, which is how it regulates how the brain functions. And relationships, which is how we um, exchange that energy. Um, and I am a, I love that kind of stuff. I love learning about the brain and I love learning about the body, Mm -hmm. specifically the brain. Um, and I love relationships. And so, um, I'm really excited to see kind of more about it. It's really dense. Um, so I know it's going to take me a while. Um, but it is something where I want to learn more about, um, what the processes of, of how our relationships impact how we think and how we behave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot about it already, but um, I'm excited to hear about it from um, just a real brainiac. He's really good. I've seen a lot of research from his and um, have seen it in practice with kids and things like that, and it's really good. So I'm excited to continue it. I'm, like, only in Chapter 2, but that's that's where we're at. Anyways, well, Heather, thanks for being on today. Woo-hoo! We've done it. Thanks for having me. We went a little long again, but that's okay. I think it was really good. Um, Y'all have a wonderful week. I hope you enjoy it. Go enjoy whatever (laughs) weather you have. I don't know. I was going to say go enjoy the sunshine because it's really sunny here right now. We're actually supposed to have snow on Monday. I heard that, but but if you're in, like, North Dakota, it's negative 47 degrees. So don't enjoy that. Sorry. Unless you really like negative 47. Nobody likes that. I hope not. Why don't they just create that literally like a state penitentiary? Like, who wants to I mean, if you're in North Dakota, please let me know. Tell me something good about it because all I can hear about it is cold. Anyways. What? Um, not if you guys are still listening. We, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking today about where people are listening from, and I, oh yeah, I was assuming that everyone was from Oregon, or maybe Mackenzie was assuming because I said, mm. "Where's everyone listening from?" And she's like, "Oh, I can look that up." And I meant like, no, statewide. So, um, if you can, like, send Mackenzie a message. I'm assuming you follow her on her Instagram page um, at Kenzie's Bible. Oh yeah, plugs. Um, where but can people please, find us? <laughs> yeah, please just message her and just say, like, hey, I heard your podcast. This is what I'd like to hear more about. We are going through the book of John, but sometimes I would like to kind of break away, and sometimes it's yeah. fun to talk about what you want to talk about and yeah. kind of find Super answers good. together. Um, but I'm just more curious in general because Mackenzie's like, yeah, we have 200 and something listeners, and I was like, that can't be right. Like, how many people would listen to this? Um but it'd be great to know, like, where you're listening from. So let us know. Um, let us know if you have any questions for us or... Yeah, you can just DM me yeah. on Instagram, at Kenzie's Bible, uh, excuse me, Kenzie's underscore Bible. Um, and you can um, let me know, like, where are you listening from, where you live in. And, um, and if you have any questions you want us to, like, talk about or any comments that you want us to discuss on here, be happy to do so. Um, and you can find Heather. Where can people find you? Where do you want people to find HJM9. I'm yes. dot com, but it's dot com. HJM9. Uh, on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Enjoy your week. Bye.